You're listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Each week, Tony Dyer leads the huddle and tackles the hottest topics around the NFL. He's joined by guests from all around the football world, bringing their insights and reactions to the news and noise of the National Football League. Subscribe now to join the huddle. Welcome back to Huddle Up, a Colt podcast. Okay. I am Daniel Indy Roberts, and that is Tony Colts Dyer. Okay. How are you doing, Tony? Okay. Wait a minute, buddy. <laughs> That's not the name of the show. <laughs> and honestly, last week. when you asked to do the intro, I expected professionalism. <laughs> I expected the utmost respect for what we've created here, which is a Mm -hmm. football podcast. So what'd you think? You loved it, didn't you? I kind of liked it. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Oh, boy. Uh, Let's get it out of the way. Let's do it right now. Um, We won't be talking about the Colts. Let me ask you this question. Did the Bills just acquire the best running back in football? Okay, I wish Corey was here. (laughs) I do too. Listen, and in the text you guys made it. So first of all, the Colts look like absolute fucking horse shit. And it's clear. Uh, now they fire the offensive coordinator. We're going to do the Colts segment. The guy that doesn't even call the plays. Yep. I love it. Uh, and I don't know if we talked about this before, but I do think that Sirianni leaving had something to do with it. We, we could potentially see a, a change there. The offensive coordinator st- still draws the plays up. We thought Frank Reich was a shitty play caller when there were good plays being called. They were just the wrong good plays. Like, okay, so I don't know what's going to change there. I don't know if that makes a difference. It might not make a difference at all. Um, uh, Naeem Hines, you know, we talked last year about the Cleveland Browns and the Indianapolis Colts being the 1A and the 1B of the best running back rooms in the league. And I don't think we really figured out who the best pair of running backs were. Now, listen, obviously the Browns have so much more production. No, no, come on. For the sake of the argument, we're talking about in a vacuum here. I'm not talking about production. Production-wise, okay. it's clearly the Browns. To be fair, this was before last year. This was this was before the Jonathan Taylor absolute breakout. You know, he was the best running back in football last year. So that is a huge jump. But that doesn't change the fact that clearly the Browns running back room has more production. There's no arguing there. Uh, I think that I don't know. Kareem Hunt's not really been producing. Naeem Hines. They're not putting him on the field. I'm talking about the last two years, this year and last year, right? Last okay. year, he was very productive. Um, I, I think that Naeem Hines is a playmaker. He's a guy you got to watch out for. He's athletic. He's good for the locker room. He's good for the community. He, he's everything that you want on an offense. And I think that he's going to be everything that Indianapolis wanted him to be, but for Buffalo. I think we're going to watch him be what we wanted him to be in Indy. Is he the best running back in football? You're mocking me, Daniel. <laughs> no. Uh, but I, be. I think we're going to see the best be. version of Naeem Hines. And I don't know what this means for Devin Singletary. We've been talking about him being on the bubble for a long time. Uh, but Naeem Hines was, in fact, traded uh, to the Buffalo Bills in the biggest. It was a record record deadline day. Ten, ten players traded before 4 o'clock on Tuesday. So... I think it spells more for James Cook demise to me. James Cook. I don't was, think he, yeah, I don't think he's done enough to show that he was worth that second round draft pick. So I, I think Devin Singletary's role is more safe. Um, Cause he's still, 
he has the capability of running, you know, up the gut through the tackles. And he's not really, we thought he was kind of a scat back and he's kind of proved us wrong. He's, it's all crapshoot in Buffalo because their RB1 is Josh Allen, who's the quarterback. So, I mean, we thought Zach Moss was going to be, you know, this, this bruiser and he's turned out to be a complete bum. You know, I don't want to say bum because he's on the Colts now. So he's the second best running back in football now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, I think this, this, I mean, this demolishes James Cook's value because I, that's all James Cook was right now. And Naeem Hines is better than James Cook for sure. I agree with that. I think that this is potentially not very good for Naeem Hines in the fantasy football world, but it's really, really good for the Buffalo Bills as far as real NFL goes. I mean, look at the offense, though. Fantasy football world, you, you want pieces on an offense like that, and they're the number one offense in the league. I'm cutting my teeth now because he's not a Colt, so I'm not going to pretend that he's just going to light the world on fire. Okay? <laughs> Would it surprise yeah, me? Would I, it surprise me if he blows up and does a 15- or 20-point game? No, it's not going to surprise me. He can bust loose. He we, did that with the Colts. We've seen it happen a million times before, and with re- a real quarterback, a franchise quarterback under center, Stefan Diggs on the outside, I mean, you, know, you never know. You never know. Um, he just needs one play, and he can blow up any game. I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be good for Buffalo. I think it's going to be better for Buffalo than it is for the player. Uh, but it doesn't matter. He's got a real opportunity for a Super Bowl ring, and I believe that that window is closed in Indianapolis. Yep. Uh, so another thing I wanted to at least talk about before we did our Colts corner, but now we got that out of the way. Uh, do you want <laughs> to talk about Dan Snyder at all? Did you see the news today? Uh... I did. I've been trying I mean, to get you to talk to me about Dan Snyder for almost a year now. It was like this time last year that the writing was on the wall that this man was on his way out the fucking door. And I know it was. And he's considering trading or selling. You know why team. he's considering it's selling the team? Because he's being pushed out. Because they're going to kick him out anyway. So just fucking yes. sell it. I know. Did I you, know. Did you just... see the latest update about him being like a criminal investigation has been open? Oh God, no! Yeah, at a federal level for for money related shit. So like, see, Tony, I like to talk about like positive things. Okay, and it's going to be very stink. positive for football when Dan Snyder no longer owns a football team. How about That's, that? That could be it. Yeah, I like it. I guess I don't have much to say about it other than I think he. You know, is, I would say that these sales take a while in the NFL, but they really don't. Like once we hear that a team is for sale, it's within like a week or two that usually they get sold. And like people jump at the opportunity to own a part of an NFL franchise. Like look at the Broncos. We had heard that they were for sale. And then a week and a half later, they announced the sale. So it's like, you know, these multi-billion dollar franchises. Didn't we hear something about, there were like Peyton Manning rumors like weeks before that, like months before that. Well, I think yeah. they take longer. I think just like with everything else in the NFL, it stays real quiet until it all bubbles up at the same time. I think it does take longer. This is a pretty... That's, that's, that's probably true. This is a until unique situation. Until we know about it, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. I think this is unique for a lot of ways. I don't know... Um, maybe this is something that we should table, and maybe we can find a guest that has some kind of legal background. I don't know how it's going to work. If Washington has been found to violate the law, if that, if that would fall to Dan Campbell, if that goes on the organization, if they're fined, how that would affect the new owner or transfer. There's a lot going on here that people aren't going to talk about. This is not just as simple as Dan Snyder selling the team because he's selling it because the owners are forcing him to, for one, and because he's about to get the fucking hammer slapped on top of his head 
by the justice system. He's been, already been, been called in front of Congress. Or the Senate? I don't remember. Congress, not the Senate. The Senate has no business with him. Um, this is much bigger than just a man selling the team because he's being pushed out. And knowing Dan Snyder, don't be surprised if other people's names are dragged in the mud with him. Don't be surprised at all. I believe that Dan Snyder is a part of why John Gruden's no longer in, in the NFL. Uh, sure. I think he's a big part of that. So expect more. I was glad to see back to Colts corner. I'm going to get a sound drop for that. Um, <laughs> I was, I was glad that Jim uh, Ursay was the first one to come out and say something uh, about the votes because Jim Ursay's laundry is pretty much all public. We all know that he got fucked up driving his car a lot, pulled over on 465. I mean, we all know this, like everybody knows Jim Ursay has a drug problem or had a drug problem. It's easy to make fun of him now, but it seems like Jim Irsay's recovered, and there's really not a lot about him you can say bad at this point. So I'm glad he was the one that came out. We don't need to go into this too long. I do think that if we're going to talk about this, maybe we should find somebody who has some kind of expertise with the legal legal system. Uh, yeah. Because I think that's that's the part of this that, that people aren't talking about yet, but it's very interesting. Back to the trade deadline. Um, this is going to be a short show. It's Corey. Corey's not here today taking care of the baby he's on daddy duty you, you are recording right i am recording just making sure and i will save it me and Corey went through this oh i heard gone. i heard all that oh my it. gosh we did a whole pod it was amazing and then just got axed that's what i heard right at the end it this, was awful this one's good to go <laughs> this one's good to go um let's just briefly this this can be a relatively short show let's look at the trades that happened on tuesday we'll pick some of our favorites yeah. Some of the most impactful. We'll do the best bets of the week. We may only talk about three or four players here, and that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I kind of like all the trades that happened. Well, why don't you at, go first? The deadline. Yeah, go ahead and you go first. We're doing deadline only, so just just deadline day. Sure. Um, so, like, later than Kadarius Tony. Like yeah. Like, beyond that, right? Okay. Yeah. Leave some of the big names for us to talk about, because, I mean, let's just face it. You, you have a deeper understanding of the players than I do, and that's fine with me. So why don't you take some of the higher apples and I can have a little bit of a low hanging fruit. Yeah. Um, I think the one that I might like the most is actually the Bradley Chubb trade. Um, the dolphins went and got their guy. Um, they, they have been doing a great job. I'll, I'll say that I, I texted, I'm in a group text with my brothers um, and a friend of ours and so the Dolphins were in place inside the draft that the 49ers wanted to go get Trey Lance, right, a couple years ago. And so the Dolphins had all these draft picks. So they ended up getting three total first-round picks, okay, out of this. They have turned these three first-round picks that they acquired in that trade for Trey Lance into Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, and Bradley Chubb. Three all pros essentially to help their team on both sides of the ball. And they recognized that their defense was not as strong as they thought it might be, um, which was a strength last year, but now their offense is a strength and their defense is kind of struggling a little bit, but Bradley Chubb is a, is an absolute freak of nature. Um, and they acquired him. I think that might be one of the missing pieces for the dolphins they are definitely going to be winning their division for sure. Um, and they, they acquired him to make a playoff push and they know that defense and 
playmaking is going to be the difference maker. I really like the Bradley Chubb trade. And the, and the Broncos realized that they're kind of struggling and they needed to cash out on a couple players, and I'm surprised they didn't. I, I kind of mentioned in the last podcast that if they cashed out on Jerry Judy and traded him away that they would be giving up. I kind of sense the same thing here for Bradley Chubb. I mean, how do you trade basically your best defensive player outside of Simmons at safety uh, for what you can still consider a you know contending team? They, they can't believe that they're still contending with trading away Bradley Chubb. So first off, Bradley Chubb has been a little bit banged up in a yeah. short time. Is that right? Was he he wasn't healthy all year, correct? No, he missed he actually missed a full year That's um, with an injury. The injury itself is escaping me right now, but um man in college he was just a wrecker. Yeah. But then uh, came no, in on fire. No doubt somebody that we've been excited about every time he's on the field. But he's going to demand big money. He's been a liability as far as his availability. And they recouped a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick, which still a fourth sounds late. When we're talking about dynasty leagues and fantasy football stuff, a fourth is late. I mean, NFL-wise, that, that's not as – I mean, NFL values fourth-round picks. Amon Ross St. Brown was a fourth-round pick. Yeah, there you go. Everybody would have him on their team. There's not a league in the in – the, there's not a team in the league that wouldn't win him. So there's real value there. So they got two players back as far as I'm concerned. And Chase Edmonds. Whatever the guy they were take that I said uh, I said to somebody on Twitter he was like oh it was like Chase Edmonds with two eyes and I was like yeah that's the fucking that's the Bengals that's the the Broncos saying hey this what trade's just a little bit lopsided can you throw in that guy you're going to cut anyway I don't want to deal with the waiver wa- wa- waiver wire I mean that's what the Chase Edmonds things was to me uh, but yeah 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 but the biggest thing is. Bradley Chubb's got a contract coming due, and Denver doesn't have to pay them now. So instead of having to pay and hemorrhage money for one of the best defensive prospects in football who hasn't been healthy. A defensive end, mind you, who fetched like, some of the biggest money for defensive players in general. They're free of that. They can go draft a rookie, try it all over again, and they've got a free fourth-round pick. Yeah, right? I mean, they're not going to find a Bradley Chubb, but they might find someone that They might find a guy. Yeah, a guy. Or maybe they'll find a quarterback. That's a joke. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> Good. No, I think that's a win-win. I like that deal, too. I think that's a win-win. Uh, my favorite deal, actually, was TJ Hawkinson to the Vikings. Yeah, I, I do love that. I think that was probably the most impactful trade since Tyreek Hill. Bless you. Thank you. I think that was probably the most impactful trade uh, since Tyreek Hill to Miami. Bless you. Thanks. I think that was the most impactful trade since Tyreek Hill. (laughs) I heard that. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. Everybody is going to hear it three times now. Anyway. No, I think that TJ Hawkinson, he played 80% of the snaps in Detroit. And Detroit is a team who was so heavy on offense and lacking on defense that, quite frankly, if you do nothing, it's insanity. Like, imagine having a team that everybody wants to watch and everybody enjoys seeing because they're competitive and keep playing, but for two years in a row, they can't win a fucking football game and save their asses because they can't stop anybody from outscoring them. TJ Hawkinson is so underrated as a blocker, and that's why he was 80% 
80% snap count. Imagine how much better Dalvin Cook is with an extra blocker. Just imagine how much better. I mean, Kirk Cousins might look like a god. This puts Minnesota is in playoff contention now. Like, I mean, not playoff. I'm sorry. Super Bowl contention. Like, I'm marking yeah, them I was going to say, team. they're already on their yeah. fast track yeah. here at 6-1. I, I was, we were talking about the playoffs before, and now it's, I'm going straight to the Super Bowl with them. Um, and it's not because he's a weapon. He is a weapon. And they can use a little bit of extra help in the middle. But the biggest, biggest thing is he's reliable. He's sturdy. He's quiet. He doesn't cause problems. And the biggest thing is he's a proficient blocker. He might be the best fucking blocker on the team. I mean, for, for, for real. I'm not joking. I mean, there's a reason that the um, catchphrase hawk block was a thing. I'd like to say I, and I coined that. That was all. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love it too. Especially, um, it was perfect timing. And it's unfortunate that Irv Smith got hurt and we got the report right after the trade that he was going to be out. I mean, essentially maybe the rest of the season. I mean, it was like a six plus week injury. I'm seeing seven to 10 weeks. I mean, there you go. He's out. So, I mean, we're halfway through the season and that's the rest of the year. So you, you take a, you take a guy, like you said, excellent blocker but also can do everything on offense that you ask him as as far as the receiving game i mean there's not very many tight ends in the league to, that can take a slant to the house and it, when you look at him it doesn't seem like he's the guy but he is he has had many big plays i mean heck two weeks ago he had like a 70 something yard catch and run add that to an offense with dalvin cook and justin jefferson Adam Thielen and you know Kirk Cousins like you said is very underrated and maybe he might be a dark horse to uh, really kill it the second half of the season here with with all those weapons now I do really like that move yeah I think it's a slam dunk and it's another situation where the Lions win too they got a second round pick a third round pick and a conditional uh, no a second a third a fourth and a conditional fourth so they got a haul out of this guy I mean, they essentially, they got like a second for a third and a fourth for a lower fourth that is conditional to turn into a third. So they, they like moved up in two different rounds. Um, but like you said, I think it's exactly like you said. They've realized that they need to focus more on defense. And I know they, they hit with a guy like Hawkinson in the second round but they're looking to get another second rounder in this draft that is a good defensive playmaker oh, Hawkinson to make was their like team the more pick. complete. Like he, he wasn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Miss, misspoke there. Yeah, he it's was a okay. top 10 tight end for sure. I'll take that. Um, that doesn't but, happen very often. <laughs> the Detroit Lions have had two top 10 tight end picks in the last, uh, what, six years. And they're both not on the team. Wow. Um. Yeah, because I forget what year Eric Ebron was picked. Wasn't that 11? Uh, so maybe it was like last decade. I forgot that Eric Ebron played for the Lions, to be honest with you. Well, it's been yeah, he, was, uh, he was the 10th overall pick. Uh, but yeah. Um, I, to me, I, I kind of saw both ways. If I'm the 
if I'm the Lions, I mean, I, what's a, what's unfortunate about the Lions is they're kind of facing the facts that they won't be in it this year and they may not be in it next year. And that's what sucks. Um, they know they're not going to be a contender and they have to kind of start from a rebuild. Um, but I really like the implications for Amon Ross St. Brown because of this. I do too. And I disagree with you in a way. Don't be surprised if the Lions are the 2022 Jets and they have a good enough draft that all of a sudden they can compete. Don't be surprised. Hey, I mean, they are a couple of players away on defense. I'm telling you, a couple of guys away. They are going to need a guy like Sauce Gardner on their defense. And they thought it was Jeff Okuda a couple years ago, but they're kind of, and I know he's had some injury trouble, but they're kind of 50, 50 on him right now. Um, but they are going to need, and gosh, they took him like number three overall. Gosh, which really sucks, but um, they're going to need a couple playmakers. That's all I got to say. Like safeties, corners, they're going to need a better secondary, and then they can start with the linebackers, and they need better trenches on the defense, which Aiden Hutchinson is a great start. Great player. He should be a pro bowler probably by, I don't know, two years from now. There you go. Let's get, let's touch on a couple of these that we're not probably going to want to go into too much detail with. Like Chase Claypool to the Bears. That's the end of his career, right? <laughs> um, I mean, it's over. No. It's over for him. I'm actually going to disagree with you. Have you watched a Justin Fields game? Was I year? did I text was I texting you? Maybe it was somebody else. Every time I looked up at my, the last Bears game was a primetime game. The last primetime Bears game, I should say. I was upstairs sitting in my home office and I looked up. And every time I saw Justin Fields' face, he looked like he was about to break down in tears. I think we talked about this. Oh, yeah, yeah. We talked about this last week. The yeah. sad frog. I did the sad frog. Yeah. <laughs> I did watch the game. I have seen a bunch of good stuff out of him. Have they been really proficient passing though? Am I missing something? No, because Darnell Mooney is their number one, and they don't have a number one. Darnell Mooney is not a number one wide receiver. He's a number two wide receiver. Chase Claypool is an X build. He is a number one wide receiver archetype. Okay. So this was the perfect acquisition for the Bears. Okay. They have, and Justin Fields has been extremely mobile and. Actually, like, I've been in kind of a Justin Fields hater over the last couple of years, but I was looking at his stats the other day, and I was actually pleasantly surprised, like, especially fantasy-wise, what he is doing on the field, like rushing. And um, <laughs> okay. I got you. I got your text. <laughs> out, of, out, of the, out of the many, apparently, that I'm getting right now, I'm like, gosh, who is blowing me up right now? Um, but yeah, Justin Fields has basically taken this offense into his own hands, and he doesn't have anybody to throw to. Cole Komet can't get open because it's basically him and Darno Mooney only. And so if you add Chase Claypool to this offense, I think that makes this offense a lot more dynamic. Khalil Herbert is coming up just, I mean, just look at David Montgomery. He is getting phased out of this offense. Um, but I think 
I think this is actually a pretty big move for the Bears. It's very underrated. I don't think this is the end of his career by any means. He will immediately be the number one option. Um, here in about three or four weeks, you'll see what I'm saying. Okay. But Justin Fields, Justin Fields needed this guy. I mentioned we were talking about um, last week who who would need a quarterback, and we mentioned the Bears. And I said I think by the end of the year they will realize that they did not give Justin Fields enough on offense as far as weapons to know whether or not they have the guy. This proves right here we will be able to see who Justin Fields could actually have been all year if he had the weapons. The only hang-up I have with that, and this is going to bite me in the ass. Yeah. It's going to bite me in the ass hard because of the production this year. But Allen Robinson went to Chicago, a very productive wide receiver. It really fell apart for Allen Robinson in his time in Chicago. And it hasn't come back. I don't know why. Maybe Allen Robinson's become old, and he's no longer who we thought he was. Uh, But it started in Chicago. It's concerning. I hear your points. I think they're valid. I think the most valid point was Darnell Mooney, as the wide receiver one, left a lot to be desired. I never bought into it. I never viewed him as the wide receiver one. He never fit that to me. It never made sense. He had games, but it's like if you ask me to work on a car one time, I can probably figure out how to work on a car one time. But if you throw me in a bay and tell me to be a fucking mechanic, like it's not going to work. It's just not going to happen. Yep. And, and maybe that's the best thing I can come up with with Darnell Mooney because I never really bought in. That might be the perfect analogy to there. him being an alpha. But I can change the oil. I can change some brake pads. Maybe once in a while I'll be there. So we'll see. I'll shut up. I'll be patient. I won't dog the Chase Claypool trade anymore. I promise to not say another negative word about it. Uh, and I'll give him three or four weeks, like you said, so he can acclimate a little bit. Calvin Ridley to Jacksonville. Snooze fest? Uh, yeah. Okay. We don't know who he's going to be. We haven't seen him in two years, and we don't even know who Jacksonville is. Uh, they just acquired, you know, Christian Kirk for a ton of money, and then now they're acquiring Calvin Ridley for a lot less, you know, risk than Christian Kirk and you know I'd like to say that Trevor Lawrence would be a winner out of this deal but we don't know who Calvin really I mean someone that takes two years off in the NFL when has that worked out um Josh Gordon showed flashes like he I mean Josh Gordon is a freak athlete though uh, yeah Josh Gordon special Calvin Ridley is special don't forget. Uh, sure. I mean, double-digit touchdowns in his first couple years. I mean, he was like 48 coming out of his uh, senior year, though. He was pretty old. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. I think he was 20. He was 23, which is kind of old, I, um, I, entering a league as a rookie. But I think it's a snoozer, partially because we're going to have to wait, you know, better part of nine months to see what we have here. Uh, right. So I'll move on. Jeff Wilson to Miami. This was interesting to me, not because of Miami. Listen, it's not because of Miami, because it's coming off of Christian McCaffrey finally taking hold of the backfield in San Francisco. I did not expect this. This is a change uh, from San Francisco that, that we haven't seen in really as long as I've been paying attention to football since really since Frank Gore. I guess that's when I started watching football. Frank Gore was a 49er and he was dominant and he ran the ball. It was his rock. Christian McCaffrey is here, and I expect 
the best of Christian McCaffrey that we've ever seen out of this offense. Uh, it's going to be exciting. It changes. I've said before that I've changed my mind about some of these teams after the trade deadline. I've changed my mind about the 49ers after this trade of Jeff Wilson to Miami because it shows confidence in the one running back that's healthy on the roster. Oh, God, look at last week. He was the first <laughs> running back to throw, catch, and rush a touchdown since 05. Yeah. It was a Hall of Famer. And it was his second week on the team. I mean, clearly. I bet you if he wouldn't have had a great day, they, they may not have made this move. Maybe not. But he did have a great day. And he is Christian McCaffrey. And he is. maybe it'll bite him in the ass. Hopefully he stays healthy. We hope for health. God, I hope so. Yeah, because if he stays healthy, the rest of this year is going to be a fucking show. I'm telling you. The football is better when McCaffrey is healthy. 100%. So I think the Jeff Wilson trade to Miami, it's really boring on the Miami, Miami side of things. Yeah, it yeah helps for him, sure. Helps him a little bit. It's deaf, but it's just football stuff. Like, that's just but a football move. Raheem Mostert is a rush away from having a season ender. So they needed somebody. Oh, wow. And Chase Edmonds is not a num number one running back. So Mostert came from the 49ers too, didn't he? Correct. Yeah, wow. Same same coach. Really? The OC became the Dolphins head coach, so he took him with him. Wow. Uh, yep. The rest of the stuff we have here, we don't have offensive players. Do you want to talk about William Jackson, Rashad Fenton, Dean Marlowe? Do you want to, do you want to talk about any of those guys? You want to do the best bets? Not really. Those guys are kind of just hand-me-down players. I mean, yeah. William Jackson's on his fourth team now. I mean, it's not really like you're trading Jalen Ramsey or anything. Do you – so not to go Colts corner, I won't say a word, but I want to ask you about Zach Moss to Indianapolis. Was it the picks? Was it the players? Was it the contract? What, is, what was Indianapolis thinking in this trade? The last one is the contract. They had signed Naheem Hines um, to a contract, and – Dion Jackson has shown that he could be a very serviceable backup uh, to Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor's nursing this injury. Zach Moss was just a throw in. And I, I feel like kind of the same thing. If Dion Jackson did not show out while Hines and Taylor were both out a couple weeks ago, they, they may not make this move, but Naeem Hines is, I mean, let's just face it. He's kind of expensive for what he is. He doesn't play enough to warrant the contract that he got. It was more of like a, you're a leader in the locker room. You keep this team together um, type move. But I think it's, I think Deion Jackson is the variable in this, in this whole, in this whole deal here. And I think it's mostly contract related is why Naeem Hines is no longer a Colt. I agree with that completely. Do you want to do best bets of the week? Let's do it. Best bets of the week. Welcome back to best bets of the week. Uh, Corey and I had a yin and yang uh, week here. I went four and zero, oh, and Corey went zero oh and four. Wow! Oh. Finally, somebody pulls ahead. Do you have the Do you have the total oh. record? Do you have the record? Yeah. I am 20 and 12, and Corey is 16, 15, and 1. He's still 500. I got to give him that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's crazy, too. I, I really I lucked out by half a point on the last leg, but uh, I chose three unders on a week that we saw so many high-scoring games, and somehow I just I weeded through those and, and picked them. Uh, sneak peek, this week I have three overs. Ooh. 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 So we'll see. 
Uh, but Corey sent in his picks uh, for tonight. I'll go. I'll go back and forth, just like if me and Corey were were both here. Good. Do you have the Do you have um, the first pick? What? Do you have the first pick already? Like, do you have? Do you know what it's going to be? Yeah. Is the pick in? Yeah, the pick is in. <laughs> as soon as you said that, I knew you're him. Do that stupid ass jingle. Okay. <laughs> it's funny. That is like only relevant during the draft, but yet we have used that every single episode. Mostly by mistake. <laughs> uh, but it's funny. Uh, Corey um, has Carolina going into Cincinnati this week. And Cincinnati is favored by seven and a half. They are a much better football team. I don't care what the Browns showed us on Monday night. I feel like that was mostly a fluke and them getting used to um, Jamar Chase not being on the offense. Um, He's going to be out a few weeks, but uh, Corey has the Bengals covering seven and a half at home, um, which I definitely agree with. Uh, the Panthers, they, gosh, did you watch this game, Tony? They were in it, and DJ Moore caught what seemed to be the game-winning touchdown, took off his helmet in celebration, backed the kicker up. He missed the 48-yard extra point at that point, and then they missed another field goal in overtime and ended up losing the game. Did wow. you see this? No, I didn't. It was at a 1 o'clock game. Uh, yes. Yeah, we were at Lucas. Well, no, uh, we were out. Pre-game, Lucas, uh, Colts had an afternoon game, so we were. We oh, were yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Colts had a late game. Yeah, but Carolina should have won that game um, against Atlanta, but uh, some some crazy stuff happened. They, they shouldn't have even been in it, but DJ Moore caught a game-winning touchdown. But anyway, Carolina is not as good of a team as the Cincinnati Bengals. I think the Bengals are going to shut them down as well. I have them in my best bets as well, Carolina. Um, at Cincinnati, the over-under is 42-and-a-half, and I'm actually going to take the over. Um, Cincinnati's defense did not look good against the Browns, but I don't think that Carolina is going to compete in this game, but I think they're going to score enough points along with Cincinnati to make it over 42-and-a-half. I think that over-under is still kind of low uh, for what Cincinnati's capable of. Carolina's defense they were terrible against Atlanta. And uh, I feel like Joe Mixon is going to get back on track. He's going to eat T Higgins, Joe Burrow. Everyone's going to eat. So um, Vikings going to Washington. Corey does not like the Vikings this week. They are favored by three and a half and he is taking the Washington points. Interesting. Um, Washington did beat the Colts at home, so away. They're at home this week, but the Vikings have kind of been on fire a little bit recently, and so I'm kind of surprised by this pick, but, uh, but you know, Corey kind of has these feelings sometimes, and, um, you know, maybe it's one of those random games. The, the line doesn't make sense here. I think that's what he's going to say. You know, you have a commander's team that is not very good, but... Minnesota is what? What are they now? Seven and one? Yes. Uh, six and one. Six and one. Sorry. Six and one because they had to buy. Six and one. And they're only favored by three and a half 
against Washington. I think he would kind of label that as a uh, as a Vegas tip there. So I think he's taking the points because of that. Um, Miami is going into Chicago this week. Uh, Chicago's defense did not look good against Dallas. Dallas tore them apart, and Miami's defense did not look good as well. Bradley Chubb probably won't be a big part of this game at all. He, it's his first game as a Dolphin, and Justin Fields has looked good enough to me to put up points. And you know Miami can put up points. They did it in a heartbeat. They were down all game and ended up winning, I think, I picked the over on the last week, and it hit by the third quarter. Uh, so Miami can definitely put up points. The over-under is 45.5. I am taking the over on this game as well. Miami seems to travel well. Um, they kind of pick and choose their games, but they, they do travel. So Miami-Chicago over 45.5. Uh, Green Bay going into Detroit. Corey has the Lions covering. The Packers have not looked very good. Wow. They, they Yeah, I, I'm kind of surprised by this. But Corey has taken some underdogs this week. I'll tell you what. He has, th- he has one good favorite and then three underdogs. Scared money He's, don't make money. That's what Corey would say. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then uh, what Bruce Arians used to say, no risk nope. it, no biscuit. No risk it, no biscuit. Yeah, that's Corey's motto here. Um, so the Lions are getting three and a half points against the Packers, and Corey is taking it. He's taking the Lions at home. Uh, the Lions can put up points, and the Packers have not recently. I mean, it's just simple. So uh, it's an in-division game. You never know what's going to happen. The Lions are without TJ Hawkinson, though, and they don't really have a tight end fill-in. So Jair Alexander might just be on Amon Ra, and then the Lions might get shut down. We never know what's going to happen with the in-division games. But Corey is taking the points um, for the Lions at home, plus three and a half. Um, my next game, Seattle at Arizona. Uh, the first game that these teams played against each other was a few weeks ago. It kind of disappointed. Um, it was in Seattle. I like this game a lot better. It's in Arizona. Arizona looks like a completely different team with DeAndre Hopkins back. Geno Smith is making it happen. DK Metcalf is back. Crazy enough. Um, he has both his weapons, and Kenneth Walker is dominating right now to say the least so the over under on this one is 49 and a half and i actually really like the over um on this one this is two kind of subpar defenses um they they leave a lot on the bone um when they when they play teams um i mean the fact that it's in division doesn't even make it a variable here because i i feel like both of these teams are just going to exploit their defense so um, Seattle at Arizona. I'm taking over 49 and a half on this one. Uh, Corey, his last pick. Buffalo is going to New York. And New York is getting 12 and a half points. That's a lot of points. That's a lot of points. And Corey is taking the Jets. J E T S. Jets. Jets. 12 and a half. Uh, in division game. You never know what's going to happen, like I just said. So. You know, this could be one of those games. I mean, the Packers, the Packers defense is not bad, and they made the Bills, they, they made some plays on the Bills. Um, you know, I took the under on the Bills-Packers game, and I actually hit that by half a point, but still hit the under. And the over-under was not set terribly high, and this one was a point difference. 
So Vegas even thinks this might be a decent game. It's kind of what it tells me. So 12 and a half, Corey's taking the Jets, and I actually... I like uh, it. I like it, too. I like it. <laughs> I, I Buffalo can beat anybody by 21 or more, but I actually really like this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's fun. I think it's a, it's an, I think it's a low-key exciting game. Um, yeah. Uh, maybe not. You know, maybe they get blown out. Like you said, it'll either be a really close game where Buffalo wins or Buffalo will just crap all over the Jets. It'll be one or the other. Yeah, this game is going to be 49 to 10 or it's going to be like 23 to 20. Random field goal at the end. Um, my last game. Yeah, I picked three unders last week. I'm picking three overs this week. And this is my only under. The Chargers going into Atlanta. Um, the Chargers are going to be without Mike Williams. Keenan Allen is not practicing. Um, so he's going to be without his number one and two. And Keenan Allen said that going into the off week, it hurt worse. That he's essentially benching himself until he's 100%. So don't expect Keenan Allen, like, he will not practice. He's not playing. Unless this is, yeah. unless this is like coach talk, like player talk, you know. Um I mean, in the past, we've seen Keenan Allen be, like, overly confident in himself when it's like he's being delusional. I will never forget the time that he ran up to the camera pregame, and he said, don't sit me. And it was a Thursday night. I remember that, and I I fucking played him. I remember that. Yeah, and everyone that played him got burned because he played, like, the first quarter and, and was out the rest of the game. So that's the guy that's telling you that he doesn't feel right. So that tells you everything you need to know. He's not going to play. <laughs> um, Atlanta, they looked good last week. Marcus Mariota kind of led the charge, but that was against Carolina. I don't expect them to do that again, like at all. They have good weapons, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, but they don't even use them. So I, I expect the Chargers to not be as lethal. It's going to be a big game for Austin Eckler, that's for sure. But I don't expect them to be as lethal as they normally are. And then I don't expect the Falcons to be able to keep up still. Um, this might be a close game, but it might be low scoring. But either way, I'm going to take the under because I feel like this could be either the Chargers win by double digits or it's a very close game. Either way, I don't think it's going to hit 49 and a half, and I'd be really surprised if it does. So I'm going to take the under on Chargers at Atlanta, 49 and a half. Well, well, well. Last week, my parlay didn't go well. As you said, Corey was 0-4, and that fucked my odds. Told you. I had a cash. I I put a $50 bet on a three-leg parlay. And I was sitting at the restaurant with a couple of friends, and the option was there. I I won the first leg, which was obviously not Corey's. Um, I I had an option there to cash out to turn $50 into $90. And I remember thinking, man, I'm not real confident. The other games were on. I was like, ah, I'm not real sure. But no, no, stick to it. Stick to it. Stick to it. And then immediately lost all my money. Uh, when I went, I went to cash out at, in Lucas Oil right before kickoff. And it was like that point where it gives you the cash out option, but every time you hit it, it tells you there's <laughs> an error. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, you, it's a problem right now. It's a problem uh-huh. right now. Try again. Try again. It's like, jo- it's like uh-huh. laughing at me as I'm trying to just recoup my money and then... Sure enough, clock ticks to zero, and the game is over. 
Could you imagine if you would have put 50 bucks on all four of my picks last week? I, I can't imagine because I've hit those before. I can't imagine. That was the first, my first parlay of this, um, of this season. We hit and the $50 turned into 250 bucks. It was incredible. It was incredible. So I'm not doing one of those this week. Uh, again, the reason is... Well, Corey if, went on for week one, too. So. Well, then it must have been the second week or whatever week we decided I was doing this parlay. I, I got lucky and I hit, hit that first week. Uh, I'm only doing that on weeks that Corey and Daniel are both here. And the reason is I want their opinion to sway me. So, hey, Tony, the last three weeks, I've been nine and three. Just saying. Okay. Um, so <laughs> nine and three is still enough to lose a parlay. Sure. Seven and one last two weeks. Man, that's exciting. <laughs> no, that's good. I'm going on board this week. That's all that says. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm excited. It, it's been a lot of fun. The the fight was a lot of fun. I hope I do hope you go on four and that Corey goes four and oh, just for the sake of keeping this close. Sure. It's been a lot of fun for you guys being neck and neck and not knowing who's going to pull away. Um, yep. But at the end, it's just We're fun. usually pretty close by the end, so we'll see. Yeah. We're only halfway through. We got time. Awesome. Uh, anything else? Uh, no. This has been your local Indianapolis Colts uh, podcast based out of Indy. You've been listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. <laughs> Subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us at Huddle Up NFL and at Commissioner Mister on Twitter to keep up on the latest from the NFL and stay in the huddle. Huddle Up. Team on three. One, two, three. three. Keep up on the from the Indianapolis Colts. Team on three. One, two, three. Colts. <laughs>